0: Glory to God. What a wonderful place to be. You can be seated. Glory, glory, glory. Well, when we left last night, I think the very first thing I told Keith when we got in the truck was, uh uh-oh. You want to know why? Say why? why. Yeah, because it's going to be so different. You sure you don't got something else you need to share tomorrow night? Because it's going to be so different. He said, that's good. Yeah, that's good. So I started, you know, thinking about it again today, and I didn't change. So uh, I was thinking about it, though, a few weeks ago, and I started, you know, studying about some of the things that we needed to do and stuff, and I was reading some of the Old Testament things and some of the things that I would be teaching on and stuff, and I thought, you know, today people think they got problems in their marriages, you know they think they got real issues. Then I started reading about Jacob and Rachel. You think you got problems? You was run off from home because your brother wants to kill you because your mama lied to your daddy, and you can't go home, so you're working for your uncle that treats you and tricks you. Then you marry his first daughter, and she runs around continuously. Trying to make you love her. Everything she does, okay, I'll have this baby so he'll love me. Okay, I'll have this baby so he'll love me. Okay, I'll do this so he'll love me. Now, men, tell me. That would make you real happy, right? Talk about a stalker. It would almost feel like a stalker. Constantly. And then you work another seven years and you get the other daughter. And they love each other so much, the two sisters... No, they fight like cats and dogs, and they try to prove who loves him the most. And then one day they go out into the field. He's been working so hard this day, and he's working for his lovely uncle that tricks him all the time. And he comes in that night, and he just wants to sit there in front of his recliner and have his dinner. And she says, oh, no, honey, you can't do that today. I sold you to Leah tonight. For these wonderful mandrakes, you go be with her, and I'm going to sit here with my mandrakes. And you think you've got it tough. I mean, that's how his life was. He didn't know what was happening from day to day. So I thought, okay, Lord, what am I going to tell about Am I going to tell about the troubles, or am I going to tell about the good things, or am I going to tell about how to get past things? Because I know the past few years here in the church, we have had more issues about marriage than probably other than people want money, which you always have when you're a church, than anything. Marriage, marriage, marriage. And the thing about it is I think that bothered us the most was it was people that knew the word is people that should know how to get past these things, get over these things. It's Christians that have been in the Word for a long time. So I started looking at some things, and I started saying, okay, Lord, we knew we were going to have this marriage meeting, you know, like way, way, way back. You know, and I started kind of thinking about it, and I started thinking, well, maybe we won't have it. You know, because to be honest with you, You don't always think you have the answers because sometimes in counseling they come up with these things and you think, where did you get that from? (laughs) You know, and you want to help them. And you want to give them the right answers. But you don't always have the right answer to give them. Have you ever been there? How many of you ministers don't always have the right answer to give them in their marriage? Yeah, they're raising their hands. You want to help them, but you don't always have it. And you want to tell them, and they walk out and they're like, you know what to tell them, but you know they're not going to do it, and the other one is doing just the opposite, you know you can't make them do it, and so there you have it. You're not fixing it for them. And so your heart yearns for them. And if there's anything that I want more than anything, if you've been around here very much, this is an area that just, oh, it just eats me on the inside sometimes because I think about these people and they're hurting and you know how much they're hurting and you want them fixed because it's not fun to hurt. It's not fun to go through every day and the place that is supposed to be your security, your rest, your peace is your turmoil. It's not supposed to be that way. And they're supposed to be answers. And they're supposed to be solutions. And we're supposed to have them. Right? And the thing is, we do have them. So before we start, I want you to think about these two things. Number one, when you put your pen and paper down, put your pen and paper down, and we'll get to it in just a second. Just think. I didn't say right, I said think. Okay, and and you'll understand why here in just a second, okay? Think about this. When Jesus came to the world, he didn't say he came to the world to judge the world or to condemn the world, right? Right, right? And number two, he said he was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows what you're going through. He's been there. He's felt it. He knows it. And He does not want you to have to go through it. He's already paid the price for it. He's already taken care of it. He knows how you're hurting. And He don't want you to have to hurt that way. He doesn't want it. He's not going to judge you. He's not going to condemn you. And He doesn't want you hurting. That's our Jesus. Is that the Jesus you serve? Yes. That's the Jesus I serve. So when I told Keith last night I was going to do it, or yesterday sometimes, you know, I said, I got my title. He said, what is it? I said, Jack Spratt. He said, I don't think I know Jack. (laughs) I said, sure you do. Now, he plays games with me all the time. I said, sure you do. He said, no, I don't think I've ever met Jack. I said, now you guys can say it with me. Jack Sprat could eat no fat. His wife could eat no lean. So between them both, they licked the platter clean. Right? Okay. Isn't that right? Don't, now, you all remember that. How many of you actually remembered it? Yeah, see there? The biggest part of the crowd actually remembered Jack Spratt. Now, what's the moral of that story? The two of them got the job done. I mean, the platter was full, one of them ate one thing, one of them ate the other thing, and the platter was clean. I know Keith and I with bread, he likes the inside, I like the outside, so we eat the whole piece there, you know? And that's the way it happens. Well, you know what? If God would have wanted every person in this room to be exactly alike, he would have made an assembly line, and he'd have made us robots, and he'd have made cookie cutter robots, and he'd have made every single one of us. He'd have, he could have done it just exactly the same. And he could have said, okay, I want everybody to be just like Keith Moore. Bop, 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 bop. And everybody's going to be just like him. And they're going to talk like him. And they're going to look like him. And they're going to act like him. And they're going to do everything just exactly like him. Right? But that's not what he wanted. He wanted Keith Moore to be married to somebody like me. God help him. (laughs) I mean... He's been putting up with me since we've been kids, you know, in the sixth grade, seventh grade, forever. So he knows me, you know. And uh, the guys will tell you, I'm okay till he says, don't give me french fries, but I don't know what the deal is with that. But anyway, we're all different. Like, take for instance, okay, I'll make ice cream and I'll say, what kind do y'all want? Keith will say, okay, make vanillas because we can put toppings on it then. Okay, Dave will say, make chocolate. I like chocolate. Kim will say, make cherry nut because I like cherry nut. Well, don't ask Dan because he wants them all in one bowl with a fork. <laughs> And not just a bowl, a big bowl. (laughs) Everybody is different. Everybody likes something different. So why is it in marriage the husband wants the wife to be exactly like him and do everything exactly like him and the wife wants the husband to do everything exactly like her? What's with that? Do you know how boring it would be If everybody was like you, dear me, everybody you looked at looked just exactly like you, and they dressed just like you, and they smelled just like you, and every time you messed up, they—you ever seen that movie Multiplicity or whatever it was with what was his name, Michael Keaton? It was on years and years ago. You know, he kept cloning himself. I think that's exactly what would happen. The more of us that he made, the more dwarfed and messed up and everything somebody would get. Because we are not made to be exactly alike. God never intended for that. He never intended that we think exactly alike. And I'll tell you what I found being with the guys in Florida. Do you want to know? They don't think like
1: girls.
0: (laughs) They do not think like girls. They do not eat like girls. They do not work like girls. Sometimes I have to say, okay, guys, think blonde for five seconds. (laughs) Because they don't think the same as girls do. They think different. And if God would have wanted boys and girls to think exactly alike... He would have made us think exactly alike. But he didn't. He made me be emotional sometimes. And Keith has to put up with it. Bless his heart. And he made him be strong and, and the leader and and I have to put up with it. It's true. We are who we are. But God intended that. He didn't want us all exactly the same. He intended for us to be different. So don't go through life and in your house trying to make your wife and kids be exactly like you. And make them think exactly like you think. There's a reason their mind is different than yours. God gave them a different one. If he'd have wanted he'd have attached them together. Okay, they're thinking this, though, they're thinking this. Oh no, they're thinking he didn't do that. He's big God. He could have done it any way he wanted to do it. But this is the way he chose to do it. And he chose to make us different for reasons. So that one could eat fat, one could eat lean. They could lick the platter clean. If I had a title tonight for the message, I was thinking about calling it, you know, you've heard the stories, Modern Day Bonnie and Clyde. You ever heard that? I'll tell you in just a minute what the title will be. Right now, what I'd like for you to do is listen to what the subject's going to be, then I'll tell you the title. Because I may scare you. So hold the hand of the person next to you. Not that one, that's your wife or husband, you might not like it when I do that. You better get the other person. When I asked God, I said, how do we fix all these messes? That's what I call them, messes, because that's what most of it is, messes. He said, it's in the Word. So I went back to the Word, and I started looking again. And I like to start in the New Testament, because that's where we're supposed to be. So I read everything pertaining again to husbands and wives in the New Testament. And I wound up here. Are y'all ready? Are you holding on to somebody? I'm telling you, hold on. (laughs) This is what we're going to talk about. Wives be subject to, and submit. (laughs) Husbands love as Christ loved. That's the answer. That is the answer. The answer. But before we get to the answer, I want you to notice one thing. That answer has been very complicated and very uh, mixed up and very, you know, I've had people to try to make me certain foods that I like, and um, I remember the first time I tried to have this person make me cornbread, it didn't turn out the way that my cornbread turns out when I, first time I made it. And the first time my mother-in-law tried to make me make cornbread, you couldn't eat it. And the first time a person tried to get me to make biscuits and they showed me over and over again, the dog couldn't eat them. The dog tried to eat them and played with it like a ball. It was so hard. It had all the exact same ingredients, but it turned out completely different. Now you can take That in your heart and mind for just a second and listen to this verse. The word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It'll penetrate you. And I believe with all my heart, Christians are taking this book right here and cutting each other to pieces with it. We've been dealing with it all this past two years. Wives quoting scriptures to their husbands. Telling them what they're supposed to do. Over and over and over again. Quoting them reasons why they should do certain things. Husbands telling wives, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. So what I would like for you to do, will you do what I'd like for you to do? Sure you will. Because I'm up here and you're back there. Um, I would like for you to take your double-edged sword and put it in its sheath underneath your chair tonight. You've cut enough people with it for a while. So the stories that I'm going to tell, you already know them by heart. You could quote them to me. So if you think I'm misquoting something, buy the tape. Oh, you can't! Shucks! It's free! We'll give it to you. You can find out if I misquoted the scripture for free. (laughs) There you have it. So what I want us to do tonight is I want us to look at the word on this subject. Because I think that people have been cut to pieces with the word. And I think it has opened the door to major fear in people's lives. Because if the word can't work for them, nothing can. And they're convinced the word no longer works because their spouse has been quoting it to them. So God's letting them down. And God never let anybody down. And He ain't starting here. The word works. Wives submit works. Husbands love works. It worked then and it works now. But it's how you work the ingredients, okay? So when I thought I would start on this, I thought, okay, God, I've known that for... Well, it was the very first thing the Lord talked to me about when I got saved, okay? I got saved, I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I go down to get baptized. I I was like the lady in the testimony tonight. I come up from getting baptized and speaking in tongues and what does the Lord tell me? Submit to your husband. What? (laughs) What does that mean? Submit to your husband. I ain't telling him that. Keith says, what did the Lord tell you? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. I didn't tell him for probably weeks. Nothing. Did I? Weeks probably. Nothing. I didn't even know what submission meant. Much less know how to do it. But that's what he told me. So in doing this, I said, Lord, I've known that for a long time, but it's still, when you tell people that nowadays, it's like they turn you off. They cut you off before you can start. Before you can say the word, they're like, okay, I've heard enough, I'm out of here. I ain't doing that, give me something else. So I thought, Lord, what's the deal with that? Why is that such a deal? Because I know women a little bit. I've been around them a little bit. I is one a little bit. No, a lot. Okay. And I know my heart. And I love my husband. And even with that, there's still some fear in it. Because I know the devil. And I know what connotations have been put on it. So I thought, Lord, what is the deal with it? So I want to tell you a story tonight. And it's a story we all know. But I want you to listen to it like you've never heard it before. Will you do that? All right. First Peter tells us, it says, Well, it says, After this manner, in old times, the holy women also, who trusted God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. The Amplified says, It was thus that Sarah obeyed Abraham, following his guidance and acknowledging his headship, Over her by calling him Lord, master, leader, authority. And you are now her true daughters. If you do right and let nothing terrify you and not give way to hysterical fears or let anxieties unnerve you. Now, why is that in there? Mixed in with that fears and unnerving you. Because that's exactly what the devil intends to happen when women hear about submission. And normally I talk about some of this stuff just with the women, but I want us to cover it in such a way tonight that I think everybody's going to be clear on some things. I think it's very, very, very important. Men, do you want your wife in fear? Absolutely not. Because if she's in fear, she ain't going to do it. It'll never happen. It'll never happen. She may do it for a little while, but then there's going to be a divorce. Right? So we don't want that. So let's start. And I'm going to tell you a story. When I first started doing this, I looked back at this, and I decided... At Rayma there was a class, and it was called Old Testament Men of Faith. And I started studying the Old Testament before I really got to this part. And I have decided now that Abraham is my faith hero. Bible faith hero. He's it. He may be yours before it's all said and done when you see some things. He is a man of faith. And that's the title. Abraham, man of faith. Modern day, Abraham and Sarah. Not Bonnie and Clyde. Okay? So let's look at it. But let me read you this verse before I get started. I think you'll like it. Genesis 24, 1. And I would like for you guys to put it on the screen in the NIV. This may be the only verse we put up. Abraham was now old and well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. Now, how would you like that said about you? Most of the other translations say the Lord had blessed him in all things. Now, all things in every way means what? All things and every way. So what I thought we should do is, if we're supposed to follow Sarah's example, then we should find out about Sarah and Abraham. Don't you think? I think we should know what they did. If we're supposed to be daughters of Sarah and we're supposed to be doing what Sarah did, then we should know what Sarah did, right? And you guys should know what to expect of us, right? Right? Now, don't go to sleep now. The bedtime story is not over yet. It's (laughs) not even started. So don't go to sleep yet. So I'm going to do this, and I taught Keith a new trick today, and he was pretty impressed. I must tell you, he was impressed. (laughs) Weren't you impressed? Yeah, he was impressed. Okay. I got my iPad out. Yeah. Because it had so many verses, and I didn't want to read them all. So what I did was, I got my iPad out, and I had my Bible on it, and uh, I'll show you when I get to a part. We're going to start kind of in Genesis when they start out on their trip and stuff, and I'll show you a page that I can. It says Abraham, let's see, I'm starting a little too soon, so let's go back a little bit. Let's see. We'll start here in chapter 12. You don't need your Bible or your sword. (laughs) We'll start here. Abraham went out, and he took his wife Sarah and his uh, nephew Lot and all of his possessions that he'd accumulated, and they traveled. Ladies, say it. And they traveled. Yeah. Got it? All right. So they traveled. And then it wasn't very long. Here they go again. Verse 9. That was verse 5. Verse 9. It says, Abraham set out again and continued. So guess what? Ladies. They traveled. Okay. So then in verse 11... Says, um, now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live for a while. So that means what? They tried. Yeah. Um, because the famine was severe. And as he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, Uh, I know you are a beautiful woman. No, I know what a beautiful woman you are. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say to you, This is my wife. Uh, this is his wife, and they will kill me. And um, let you live. So say, you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. Okay. Let's start. Are you ready? Let's look at that. The first thing we have here is the ladies' night first question. Every year we've ever had marriage meeting. The first question I always get when I teach ladies is, when do you don't have to submit? <laughs> it's the first question I always get. When is it okay not to submit? Well, you would think if your husband was trying to get you to stretch the truth and plan a scheme, that might be an okay time to not submit, right? Right? Well, but listen, the man was smooth. He didn't say, now we're going into Egypt here, and God told me I was going to be blessed, and I was going to bless all the nations, and I was a prophet, and I was going to have to go in there, and everybody that was going to follow me was going to be blessed, and I am important. So listen here, woman. When we get there, this is what you're going to do. You're going to tell these people that you're my sister and everything's going to be good and they'll take care of me and you just do it, all right? No, 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 no. He goes. Hey, Dad, you're one good-looking woman. You know that? When all these guys see you, uh uh-huh, they're going to fall all over you and they're going to kill me because they're going to want you... Because you're so beautiful. Now, that's a sharp man. (laughs) Ladies, which one are you going to fall for? Huh? He said nothing about his place. I mean, the thing was here, he said, listen to what he said. He said, "Um, they'll kill me. He said, say you're my sister and I'll be treated well for your sake. But no, all he did was tell her how beautiful she was and how wonderful she was. The man was smart. (laughs) He didn't put it there because of everything he needed and who he was and he was king and he was prophet and he was this. He told her how wonderful she was. And he got exactly what she wanted. Now, don't get me wrong. The woman was going to come out okay. She was going to... Let's go on. <laughs> verse um, 19 says um, he's with, she's with the Pharaoh now. All the Egyptians tell about him. Now, you know, you're gonna, you you got to be a pretty wise man when you say your woman's so beautiful that you're going to wind up with the king. That's a smart man. So she does wind up with the Pharaoh, and she's there with him. Ladies, when do you not submit? Can God spare you? What happens in verse... Uh, 19, It says, um, he says, why didn't you tell me she was your sister? I almost took her to be my wife. Was God able to stop what was about to happen because she submitted to her husband? Was he able to stop it? He absolutely did. He stopped her marrying the Pharaoh. He stopped her getting in bed with the Pharaoh. He stopped everything that was about to happen because she did what Abraham told her to do. Whether he smooth-talked her or not, well, that's a a different story. But anyway, let's keep going here for just a minute. We're supposed to be finding out about them. I told Keith I was going to do an expository sermon tonight. Do you know what an expository sermon is? I didn't know either for a long time, so... In chapter 15, we go on and we hear about Abraham. And it says, Abraham believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. That was in verse 6, but listen to what happened in verse 8. It said, Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that that's going to happen? Now, wait a minute. This is a prophet of God. This is a man that is hearing from God and doing what God tells him to do. But yet and still he's still questioning God? So can you be a strong spiritual person and still have a doubt? Can your spouse be a strong spiritual person and possibly still wonder sometimes if something might not be right? Still question it? Still try to find out more information? He did. Because he, uh, it was counted to him because he believed, but then right after that, he's still questioning. Okay, here comes the fun part. Chapter 16. It says, Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. The next part's kind of funny to me, but anyway, Abraham just agreed (laughs) to what Sarah said. Ten years of being there, ten years of baby showers, ten years of disgrace of not having kids, ten years of everybody else having kids, ten years of playing with everybody else's kids, was eating on her. She was ready to have kids. She was going to do what all women do. I can take care of this. It's gone on long enough. I can fix it. All the women are going. They're looking at their husbands. They don't want to really shake their heads, but they're going. (laughs) Most women only put up with things for so long, and then they're doers. They'll do something about it. They'll take care of it. They'll find a way to do something about it. However it takes, they'll figure out a way. Some husbands are just patting their wife on the shoulder. <laughs> it's true. That's what women are. That's one way, the reason God made us this way. The man is the head, the overseer. He gets ideas and women get to it. We, I have gotten in trouble more times than I can tell you. I say trouble, but just, oh, y'all move too fast, Phil. Keith will get an idea, and he'll ask us about something, and we've got it done, buddy. He'll say, I just had an idea. I didn't mean for y'all to do that. But, hey, that's what we do, is we do. Well, that's what she did. Her pride got in the way, and that's what she did. She's going to fix this. She's going to make it work some way or another. She's going to make it work. If it means sacrificing her husband, so be it. Now, he didn't complain too much, get you, but you know, she did it. She fixed it. She took care of it. They get, women have a tendency to have what I call take charge itis. Now, I've never had it, <laughs> and I've never lied either. But that's a woman trait. And I, you know, it's, we're going to get it done, you know, but you've got to rein it in sometimes. It's like he has to get the reins and say, come here, horsey. Whoa. But that's why he's the head because he sees the big picture. I'll be honest with you. This thing in Sarasota has about eaten my lunch moving so slow. It's like, okay, God, come on. I'm about to be like Sarah. Come on. I can make this work another way. Dan's with me. He's not a woman, but he's with me. I'm telling you what. He's about ready. We can make this work some way or another. We'll figure it out. We'll do this. We'll sell something. We'll do that. We'll come on, God. Enough is enough. It took us how many weeks to get this one done? Six weeks to get this one done. We are like, come on, God. And I think the whole deal, to be honest with you, is to teach me patience. (laughs) These people don't have a church because i got to learn patience, I think. But anyway, whatever the deal is, you know? So uh, God will meet you where you are. Okay? So, But that's what was going on with her. She had to take charge. She had to get it covered. She had to do it. Whatever it took, whatever it cost. But what I do want you to notice on this is I joke about it that he didn't say no. But you know what? He didn't tell her the consequences. He knew them. I have no doubt that he knew them. He was a man of God, a prophet of God. He knew the consequences. And he didn't tell her. He just did what she said. Let's keep going. Verse... um So he's left with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarah said to Abraham, You're responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. And I put my slave in your arms and now she knows she's pregnant. She despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Now, wait a minute. I didn't read that right. Just a moment. Just a moment. Okay, let's try that one more time. Lord Abraham... Sir, you, kind sir, are responsible. I put my slave, Lord, in your arms, and she's pregnant, and she despises me. Master, may the Lord judge between you and me. I don't think that's how she said that. Do you? I think she blew her cool. I mean, she was a woman and she was human. Now, how many of you men are married in here? Do you think she said Lord Abraham? Huh? One, raise your hand if you think she said it. I don't think so. I don't think she said it at all. She chewed him out. It's your fault. She did it, but she blamed her husband for it. Now, we've never done that, and I've never told a lie. (laughs) What is it with women? They get their uh, whole crew in a mess, and they blame it on their husbands. But this man of faith, we'll talk about him in just a minute. I want you to notice something else. Her stinking pride messed stuff up. It messed it up bad. It did. But Matthew 7 1 says something. It says, don't judge, don't criticize, don't condemn. Why not? Because if you do, you're going to get judged you're going to get criticized, and you're going to get condemned. There is only one person that has a right to judge us, and that's the Lord. Do you know why? He's the only one that truly sees your heart and sees what's in there and sees and knows what's going on. In doing this study over the past several months, the Lord showed me something that I had never really seen before. And I got excited about it because I thought, you know what? It's an answer for women so much. And I thought, it? then I realized, I told the guys, it's been a few months ago. I told the guys, I said, it's an answer for men. Let me tell you what it is. No one will be judged with their spouse. God will not judge... Look at how quiet it got. I got proof. Several of them. God is not going to judge Deborah because of what Dave did or Dave because of what Deborah did. And He's not going to reward Deborah for what Dave did or reward Dave for what Deborah did. Or the same thing with Dave and Kim. Or the same thing with me and Keith. Or the same thing with Dan and Shereen. So if you want to be a rebellious husband and think you're going to get your wife's rewards, forget it. Or if you want to be a rebellious wife and think you're going to get your husband's rewards, forget it. Ain't going to happen. Let me show you something. Um, The first place that I saw this was the first place there was a mess up with Adam and Eve. God did not just talk to Adam. Listen to what he did. First, and the Lord God said to the serpent, You're going to go on your belly. Remember? And unto the woman God said, I'm going to greatly multiply your sorrow. And unto Adam he said, You're going to not eat unless you work the ground. He judged all three of them separately. He didn't say, Adam, you were the head and I'm holding you totally responsible for what happened here. He judged Adam, he judged Eve, and he judged the serpent. He judged all three of them. You want to hear another one? What happened at Sodom and Gomorrah? You remember the story? See, I told you you didn't need your Bible tonight. You knew these stories. What happened to Lot's wife? They all came out. He says, don't turn back or you're going to turn into a pillar of salt. What happened? Did all of them, the the husband, the wife, the kids, all of them turn into a pillar of salt? Who got judged? The one that was disobedient. Now you want to hear the best one? New Testament. Ananias and Sapphira. And let me give you a really good thing about this one. Okay, they're standing there. Here's Ananias. Did you pay this much for the Did you get this much for the land? Yes. Did you sell it for this much? Yes. Did you give all that? Yes. Duh. <laughs> Haul him out. That's right. Here comes his wife. She was taking long to get her makeup. Maybe she didn't have it. She had to go to the store and get it. So I don't know what happened. You know. Anyway, she was late. Did you get this much for the land? Let me show you something I never saw till now, recently. She was not asked that question in front of her husband, where he could make eyes at her, where he could tell her what to say, where she had to be condemned or she was going to feel guilty. Because he told her to do something? She was asked that question where? All alone. And she was also judged. All alone. So, this brings me back to my point. Right here. Go back to it. It says, I put my slave in your arms and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. That's the only person that needs to judge in your marriage. I went to the dentist the other morning and I came home and I told Keith, we were talking about some marriage things and I said, you know what? I said, um, I was sitting there in the dentist chair, and they were cleaning my teeth. And I said, and the girl said, man, your teeth look great. They look really good. There's no problems. Everything's good. He's just going to come here and check you, and then you can go. And so he, you know, she's got them all done, and I'm laying there just waiting, thinking about what I'm going to do and this week in the meeting and stuff like that and getting ideas and stuff. Well, he comes in there. He's got these super magnifiers. You know what I'm talking about? He's got this other little magnifying thing. He goes in there, and he prods around, and he looks, and he prods, and, he says, oh, this feeling's just a little bit loose. It's old. It's just a little bit. Lo-. I thought, no, come on. Why? Because he got in there magnifying everything, looking at it so intently, trying to find a problem. That was his goal. He was going to find a problem. That was his job to find a problem. And I thought, man, if we could just realize this in our marriages. It's not our job to find a problem. It's our job to help each other and lick the platter clean. It's our job to find the benefits in each other. It's our job to glory in each other. It's our job to find the good in each other. Well, so you can't do this. Well, I can. Well, you, you don't do this very good. Oh, well, that's okay. I can do it. Well, you're not any good at that. Well, I can do it. What did the Word say? Why did men need a woman? So women, why are you fussing at them? God already told us they needed help. Duh Why are you running around fussy cause they don't pick this up or don't do that or don't? You wouldn't even be here if you didn't have a job? Right? You wouldn't have even been created! Right? So, I mean, glory in your job. Don't complain about it. Be glad you got it. Don't be using the word to tell them how wrong they are. We have got more people that are experts at the wrong side. They can tell you everything that their spouse is supposed to do. We hear it, buddy. We hear it. Oh, my spouse did this and they looked at this and they did this and they went here and they did that and they did this and I've got 12 scripture to tell them that they're wrong and I'm going to tell them. And they do, buddy. Well, how's your marriage now? Oh, we're getting a divorce. Well, good. No. It says let you that are more mature build them up. So maybe one of you in the marriage is more mature than the other one? What should you be doing? Oh, wait a minute. No, it didn't say that for husband and wife? It left them out of that verse, right? Right? It's like we took the husband and wife part and left it out of every verse in the Bible because we became husband and wife. Except for wives submit and husbands love. Now, I'm going to give you the wife definition to love. Keith gave you the man one last night. Y'all want to hear the woman one? Give. Women think, uh, it's like the guys. We're down there in Florida, and I'll say to them sometimes, did you think about this? You've been gone for quite some time. Did you think about that? And they're like, oh, Mrs. Moore, it's going to take da 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 -da." Or it's going to be, and I'm like, guys, they're women. And you got to pay attention to women. Or they're going to go ballistic on you. I don't care what it takes. You've got to give up something for them, guys. Love gives. It goes out of its way to do something for them. It goes the extra mile to do something for them. Even when it don't even make any sense, that's when it's even better. Right, ladies? It's the dumbest thing. We are dumb, ain't we? We got. I think most every woman in here's got blonde roots somewhere. <laughs> it's funny the way it is because women want guys to just do something that doesn't make sense sometimes for them. There's no logical explanation for it. But we're not. Who's that Vulcan guy? Spock. 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 Yeah. <laughs> we are no Spocks. It makes no logical reason what women want, does it, Carrie? I heard recently that Rob took a flight, and how long was he home with you? How long did he get to spend with you? How many hours? Maybe 20 hours, but how long was he actually with you alone? Three hours, maybe? Four hours? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. But that makes a girl happy doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But girls all over this room are smiling from ear to ear. And guys are going, that's love to a woman. But to a guy, love is, I protect you. I feed you. I take care of you. I'm always there for you. That's love. Right? Right? They're laughing. It's true. That's what love is to guys. Look at them. There are faces there. They're embarrassed to laugh. The little cheeks are poking out. Because they know it's true. That is a form of love. They're all love. They're all love. But we shouldn't all try to think the exact same. And we shouldn't try to judge each other. For what one's thinking and what the other one's thinking. God didn't put us here to judge and nitpick each other. He put us here to find the good in each other. And you found it at one time or you wouldn't be sitting here together right now. Okay, so let's go on. Let's see if we can go on, if I can get my thing back on here. Let's see. All right. Now here comes the really, really good part. Not only did he not tell her no on the first part, this is where he becomes my real faith man. My man of faith and power. Verse 6. Your slave is in your hands. Do with her whatever you think best. Now let me ask you guys a question. How many of you would be strong enough to have had another wife She's got a baby on the way, and you can tell your first wife, go beat the pudding out of her if you want to. Whatever you want to do, everything's going to be okay. Do whatever you want to do. I'm not saying a word. That's a faith man. I told you he's going to be your faith man before the night was over. That is a faith man. And the reason I know he's a faith man is because of the results that follow. Let me finish reading to you. So Sarah mistreated Hagar. And she fled from her. But immediately, immediately what happens? The angel of the Lord found her near a spring in the desert and said to her, Hagar, slave of Sarah... Where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. And the angel added, I will increase your descendants more numerous than you can count. And the angel also added to her, you're pregnant and you're going to give birth to a son. You'll name him Ishmael. And the Lord has heard of your misery. Well, now let me ask you a question. Do you think Sarah was praying for her to come back? Huh? Absolutely not. She wanted her as far from the east as to the west. She never wanted to see her again, much less that baby she was going to have. Who was praying for her to come back? Abraham. He was a man of faith. He never said a word. He said, do whatever you have on your heart. And then he got in faith. He used his faith as the tool that turned the situation around. And she came back. And Ishmael came back. And he got to see his son. Right? I think it was a really good thing. This I thought was a very interesting thing as I was reading along. The Holy Ghost brought to my attention. I thought, yeah, you go. Now, when Sarah jumped on Abraham and didn't call him Lord, didn't say any nice thing to him, what I would call they had a little spat. I don't know what you'd call it, but they had a spat, all right? You know what didn't happen? Abraham didn't go broke. Because they had marriage troubles, they didn't go broke. They didn't open one door and all of a sudden fling the other door open. Because they had a spat. The devil says, oh, you're fighting. Oh, so attack, attack finances, attack finances. No. And that's what's happening to half the marriages in the church today. So they have a little spat, and the devil comes in and says, oh, condemnation, spat. Rip off their finances now. Didn't happen. How did it not happen? First, Abraham didn't do anything. He just said, do what you want to do. He didn't get involved in it. But number two, they didn't open a door to it. it wasn't there. They still had their money. I thought that was really good, don't you? Yeah. I mean, the devil can't steal if you don't let him steal. Right. I mean, we've let, opened the door for one thing for the marriages, and then we turn around and open it right for the finances. One right after that. Okay, have this, devil. Okay, you might as well have this too. You can have them both. Then the story goes on. Let's see here. Um, The Lord tells them that they have to be circumcised. And um, then we get to, um, let's see what chapter this is. I don't want to tell you wrong. Somebody may be checking me out here. Genesis chapter 17. And it says in verse 17, Abraham fell face down. And he laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born? They're telling him, he's telling him his son's going to be born. To a man that's a hundred years old, will Sarah bear a child at age ninety? And Abraham, Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael can live under your blessing. So he's still counting and wanting Ishmael. Um, what is amazing to me here, and I know it would be amazing to most of the women, is... um Sarah later on laughs, and what happens? We'll find it. Hang on to that thought, okay? Um, Listen to this next part, and this will really, really help some of you. It says, and as for Ishmael, I have heard you. What has he heard? What did he hear about Ishmael? He heard his prayers, he heard his faith. Listen to what happens about Ishmael. and this is really going to help some people on the internet and in here. listen very carefully. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful. I will greatly increase his numbers. Uh, he will be the father of 12 rulers. I will make him a great nation. Uh, but my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. And on that very day, Abram took his son Ishmael and all those born into his household and brought him and his money that he bought with money and they had him all circumcised. The thing I want you to get here, and it goes on and tells what happened to him, and um, that he was in his household and he prayed for him. Every time that something happened with Ishmael, what happened to Abraham? Did he talk to Sarah about it? Now let me make a point here. There are magnitudes of families today that are living with separate lives. You've got a wife, former wife here with kids. You've got a former wife here with kids. You've got kids over here or kids over there. And people are concerned about those kids. They're concerned about what's happening with these kids. And you've got a new wife that's bitter about that old family, just like Sarah was. I would make it a suggestion to you. Guys, girls, whoever it is, don't keep bringing it up. If they're not with you, if they can't be with you, if they can, get them with you. You're still their father. You're still their mother. But if they can't be with you, then do what He did. Get in faith that they're going to be okay. Get in faith that God can take care of them. Get in faith He will take care of them. Because He did Ishmael. For what reason? Because Abraham was a faith man. There's kids out there everywhere and they're doing without their parents, but they don't have to do without God and the protection of God in their lives because their parents, God will still hear your parents. He still hears your prayers whether you're with them or not. You don't have to be with them in the same room or in the same continent or in the same state. He'll still heal your prayers, and He'll still be moved by faith. And He can protect them, and He can do for them. Um, let's see what else I had here. Um, the three visitors came. He says, uh, Lord, if I found favors in, in your eyes, uh, do not let your... Ser- the visitors are saying this. Don't let your servant pass by, but bring a little water and... Uh, let us wash your feet, and you rest under this tree, and let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed when you go on your way. And uh, I, your servant, will come and do this for you. And very well they answered and said. So wait a minute. Listen to this next part. So Abraham hurried to the tent and he told Sarah, uh, "Get three sheaves of the finest flour, knead it, and bake some bread." Then he ran to the and selected the choice tender calf, and he gave it to the servant who hurried and prepared it. And then he gave some of the curds and the milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before him while they ate and stood under the tree. Sarah prepared food for them. But what I want you to notice is, it says that he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf And gave it to the servant. This means, which we already all knew, the man had servants, correct? He could have just told the servant to go select the calf. But he didn't. Keith taught a sermon recently about people acting like divas, not doing anything themselves. People being too high and mighty and not doing anything. Listen to our example, what he did. It says, he ran to the herd and selected the calf and gave it to the servant who hurried up and prepared it. Then he brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and he set these before them. Now, wait a minute. In today's society, that's not kind of how it's done. Especially if you're the main person. But that's what he did. Now, do you see why so much confusion has been creeping into the church about Sarah? calling her husband Lord and Sir. There's been these ideas of the way things were. There's been this misconception that maybe Sarah never blew it. Maybe Abraham was demanding. These things are not true. And it puts people in such a state and such a frame of mind that they're trying to get to a place that they can't live. So you live in a, I can't do it anyway, so why try? And it never was true to begin with. It was a fantasy, as Keith was talking about last night. That wasn't who Abraham was. The Bible never said it was who he was. We just read over it and interpreted it our own way. He was a rich man. He was a very rich man. And he got up all this stuff and went in there and got a cap and fixed the things. and brought it out and did the things. And that was probably why he was a rich man. He didn't just order Sarah around, you do this, you do that. You do what's on your heart. He didn't when she had decisions to make, sit down and quote her scriptures and tell her everything that she was supposed to think and everything that she was supposed to do. He knew that she had a mind of her own. And if she messed up, they dealt with it. He wasn't constantly telling her step by step by step by step what to do. I think most men think they want a Proverbs 31 wife, but have you noticed? She buys a field, she considers a field, and she buys it. How many of you men would just let your wife go out and buy a field without even talking to you? (laughs) Duh, I don't think so. I mean, we've warped our minds into thinking that Christian marriages are supposed to be these things that are unattainable. And so we're going through our lives defeated and hurt and discouraged because we can't attain to something that God didn't intend. It's not who he intended us to be. So Sarah jumped on Abraham. He was a man of faith. He didn't get huffed up about it. He said, do what you want to do. Let's keep going. This is verse um, 10, I think. It says, um, Then I'll return to you and Sarah's going to have a son. I'll kind of paraphrase. You all know the story. I'm just going to tell you a story a little bit because I think you all know it. And uh, Sarah was listening at the edge of the tent and she laughed within herself. And the Lord says, um, Sarah laughed. But why didn't he say Abraham laughed? I'm going to ask him that, I think. And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? And um, this is why she laughed. She said, I was afraid. And um, let's see. God's correcting Sarah. I'm sure Abraham was embarrassed because God was correcting her. But you know what he didn't do? Add to it. God is big enough alone to correct you. If He wants you corrected, I got news for you. You'll get corrected. <laughs> He's big enough to do it. And He will do it. And He doesn't get confused about it. He didn't sit her down and say, you know, you shouldn't have got upset and you shouldn't have laughed and you shouldn't have done this and you shouldn't. He just didn't say nothing. He, I'm telling you, he was my man of faith. Women have been horrible about, horrible about when they're in situations and the husband gets a point wrong on something, thinking that it's imperative that that little point, it was right, no, it was left, no, it was seven, no, it was six, no, it was 12, no, it was, they have to correct them. I've seen it so many times. It has to be corrected. It doesn't have to be corrected. We don't have to constantly be correcting each other. We could cut out our, so much trouble in our lives if we didn't correct each other all the time. It's not something that we should really be doing. Let's see. Um, let see where I got to. I want to read you this other part. Okay, here we go. And uh, then we get to um, Genesis 21. It says, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, and um, he did what he promised, and she had Isaac. And in verse 8, The child grew and was weaned, and Sarah saw the son that Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham was mocking And she said to Abraham, get rid of, wait a minute, Lord Abraham, (laughs) sir, would you please see to it that this woman and her son are banished from this place? No, that's not what she said. She said, Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son because they're not getting any of my son's money. That's what she said. And verse 11, the matter distressed Abraham greatly. I just don't think that she was being very nice in these situations. And I just don't think that she said them in the most couching of terms and and I love yous and all these other things. But what did he do? How does Abraham feel about strife? Do you recall the story about him and Lot? The way Abraham feels about strife is I will give up everything to avoid it. You go left, I'll go right. You go right, I'll go left. Take whatever you need, just get rid of the strife. Now, is Abraham getting to be your man of faith? He is a man of faith. He just lets nothing take away his cool. I mean, he is just cool. No matter what happens, he is going to trust God. Because when you trust God, you get answers. And every time he trusted God, what happened? He got answers. And at the end of his life, what did it say about Abraham? He had everything. All things. He lacked in nothing. That meant he didn't lack in a wonderful wife. He didn't lack in kids. He didn't lack in lands. He didn't lack in money. He didn't lack in friends. He didn't lack in health. He didn't, he didn't lack in nothing. He was a faith man. Now, I know this is not politically correct, but it's a fact. The husband is the head of the house. And he sets the framework for that house. Abraham set the framework for his house. Whatever goes on in a house is because of the head. The children, the wife, yeah, they may go do some stupid things, but you stay in faith. You stay there. You don't be moved by anything you see, you don't be moved by anything you hear. You don't be moved by uh, her crazy time of life. You don't be moved by whether she turns 50 or not. You, nothing. Nothing. You stay in faith. There's no devil in hell big enough to destroy your home if the head stays in faith. He couldn't destroy Ishmael which was not even underneath his roof. And let me tell you, the greatest thing that I realized through this, after this, a test came for Abraham. Do you remember it? The greatest test of his life. What was that test? He had to offer Isaac. What if he had not learned year after year after year after year after year how to trust God with Ishmael. Do you think he would have been able to trust God with Isaac? Never. You don't just grow in that kind of trust overnight. He knew how to trust God with Isaac because he had been trusting God with Ishmael from the time he was born from the time Sarah beat her and she was conceived and he hadn't even been born yet that he didn't die he had been trusting god with his life so he knew if he could trust god with that son he could trust god with this son so no matter what's going in your life what your kids are doing what your wife is doing what any crazy person is doing around you you're the head God has graced you to be the head. He has given you that place. He has given you that position. It's the woman's job to submit. You can't make her. You can't help her. You can tell her instead of We're going to this town and you're going to do this because I'm the prophet of God and if you don't they're going to kill me. You can say you're so beautiful. All these men are just going to fall over. You know, he did that that time, and he did it again to Abimelech. And then not only did he get it, but his kids did it. I mean, they got away with it. I mean, the man was smooth. But look at where it got him. He knew when to talk. He knew when to pray. Do you think he told Sarah when he was taking Isaac offer him up? Absolutely not. Guys, there's times when you shouldn't tell everything, you know. I don't think I'd have been okay with it if Keith would have come to me and said, hey, we're taking the boy up and we're going to offer him as a sacrifice. (laughs) You stay home and cook today and clean. (laughs) We'll be back after a while, me and the slaves, because he ain't coming back, you know. No. I know he reckoned him as a lie, but, you know, he did question a few other times. He could have questioned, you know. He was a man. There's just some things, guys. I tell Keith all the time. He's telling me we're believing for this and we're going to do this, and and I just go, whoa. I just hold my hand like that and turn my head. I go, whoa, enough. I don't need to hear any more right now. Whoa, enough. Don't I? I just, I'm like, okay, believe for it. (laughs) Enough. Because I don't. I know where I'm at. And I've had enough. I can't believe for another thing. I'm like, okay, enough. Guys are made to handle the big picture. They are made for that. Us women, we're made to get this thing done. Let us get this thing done and up our plate, then we'll be ready to handle the next thing. And I'm not, you know, we're just different personalities. And maybe I'm not putting all women in one category. You may think you're the greatest big-picture person in the world. Well, Okay. Be that, and you may guys may think they're the greatest detail person in the world. Great, be that. I'm just saying, as a rule, that's kind of the way it is a lot of times, you know. And and uh, I don't always want to know the big picture. And I guarantee you, Sarah didn't want to know he's she's taken he has taken her son. So uh, so um, put this verse back up there before I go on to something else. Genesis 24:1. I want you to see it with your own eyes again. You men be faith men of your house. Don't let nothing disturb you. Don't let anything you see, hear, feel, move you. This will happen to you. You will be well old and well advanced in years. And the Lord will bless you in every way, in all things. There's one thing that I think we need to know and realize. There's something that I think was very important that Abraham did, and I think it's something that we, as Christians, have an issue with, because I know we deal with it a lot. And it's in Ephesians. I think one thing that will really, really help us, I'm a very practical person. I like to, okay, Mrs. Moore, we understand that. How do we put it to work here and now? Okay, what can we do here and now, okay? And I asked the Lord about that, and he said, you remember Paul? I said, yeah. He said, what did he do with that serpent? He shook it off. And it meant nothing to him. That's what we've got to start doing with a lot of situations. We've got to start shaking them off instead of magnifying them like the dentist did. We've got to shake them off. That's... Let me read you the scripture and you'll understand why. Ephesians, put these up for me. Who's ever back there? Tara, King James. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Well, that's good, but let's read it from another translation. Amplified. When you're angry, do not sin. Do not ever let your wrath, your Exasperation, your fury or indignation last until the sun goes down. Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. The Living Bible says, if you are angry, don't sin by nursing your grudge. Ouch. I've nursed grudges. I have. I'm not lying. Don't let the sun go down with you. Still angry. Get over it. What? Quickly. Quickly. For when you are angry, you give a mighty foothold to the devil. That is his point, guys. That's the whole point. He wants us angry. He wants us upset. He wants us in turmoil. But if we do what Paul did, the instant that a situation arises and we just shake it off instantly, no matter what it is or how bad it is. Now, listen to me. If Abraham... Can let his wife beat the one that's having his baby and shake it off. You can shake off whatever's going on in your house. You can. You can't say it can't be done. He was just a man. He didn't have any special powers. You can. It's just how much flesh do we want to yield to? We can do it, guys. We can get over it quickly. We can overcome these things. And you know how I know? Because when Jesus went down to the pit and beat the devil, he didn't do it for himself. He beat the pudding out of him for me. And I have stomped the devil many a day with that fact. You can't win this one. It's already won. And that's what you've got to do. No matter how loud your flesh is screaming... All you've got to say is, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh uh-uh. I'm shaking it off. The devil already lost. Jesus already won. I won. We win. Amen. And it doesn't matter what it feels like and it doesn't matter what it looks like. Feelings are just feelings. Right. You won. The devil can't have one foothold if you don't give him one. The longer you stay mad, the bigger his foothold gets the bigger and wider it gets. And it spreads out more and more and more. You know it does. You've been there. You get more distant, more distant, more distant, more distant, more distant, more distant, more distant. distant. Stop it instantly. Shake it off. Push it aside. Don't even give it place like it just almost never happened because He wants you to. And move on. You say, but that doesn't fix it. Yeah, it fixes it if you know that God is going to deal with them. You don't have to. You're trusting in your flesh anyway, and how good has your flesh been doing? It's time to trust God. God's bigger than you are. He made you, and He made that other person that's messing up you. Got it? Stand up with me everybody. Glory to God. We are the winners. The devil is the loser. He can't win if we don't let him. We should enjoy each other's company so much. It should be you know, no matter what's happened it should be Okay, it's behind us, we're moving forward. Don't give the devil another five seconds of thought life with it. He wants you to be bitter, he wants you to be angry, he wants you to be upset, he wants you to be hurt. He wants you to be all those words. Because if you are, he wins. But try this word out. Joy. Conqueror. Victorious, winner, Winner. Overcomer. overcomer. Hey, those words sound better than embarrassed and defeated and much better. We don't have to stay in that place. We are overcomers. We are the winners. That's who we are. We are the victorious ones. We know it. We don't have to play his game. We can play by our own rules and I like to make my own rules all the time. I'm always changing them. So you do it. You get your own board game out for your marriage and you say, okay, this is the new rules for our marriage. When a spat comes up, we just smile and we do a dance instead of fussing. (laughs) Figure out something. Do just the opposite of what the devil wants you to do. Don't let him win one thing. We are victorious. That's who we are. We're the winners. Thank you, Lord.
1: This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.